2: What's up, Bears fans? The NFL season is here, and sports betting season is in full force, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base, and they have loads of bonuses that you can take advantage of. So join now at betus.com today, and you can receive a 125% signup bonus by using our code Chicago125. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. You can also bet on college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full Betting options. So follow my lead. Get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign up bonus at betus.com with our code Chicago125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to Week 3. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I hope that you had a great victory Monday, your first of the season. I know those were all pretty sweet. Coming off the high of last week's win, it's time to reset and kind of place our attention on our upcoming opponent, the 1-1 one one Cleveland Browns. So myself and my co-host Mason West, we are ready to learn more about what we're up against this Sunday. So to help us meet the Browns, we have two guests on today. We have Kevin and Raleigh, two Browns fans who run the Dogs of War podcast. We just wrapped up a great guest spot over on their show, and now it's time for them to hop on ours to give us the lowdown of all things Browns. Kevin, Raleigh, thanks for joining us. How are you doing tonight?
0: You thanks just crushed it. us on. You just crushed us on like how to intro a guest properly. So take that win and run with it because <laughs> the Browns are.
2: Take the notes. Browns are
0: coming on Sunday, but yeah, really <laughs> Thanks for having us.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good to be here, guys. Yeah, we're very excited to kind of pick your brain on all things Browns. But as I said before we went live, I do need to give it to my co-host Mason here real quick because a lot of fans have been asking him questions throughout the early part of this week, wondering for his injury status update on Andy Dalton, putting on his physical therapist hat and really giving us the the scoop here and whether or not there's a chance that Andy Dalton can play. So, Mason, before we actually meet our opponent, what's the lowdown on Andy Dalton?
1: The lowdown on Andy Dalton is he messed up. <laughs> like honestly, it, it's not a good looking thing right now for his knee. Um, when it first happened, he had that scramble, went out of bounds. You know, everyone started freaking out. Like, well, it's a non-contact injury. You know, how is you know he gonna miss all this time? Like, Why is it such a big concern? And at the end of the day, sometimes those non-contact injuries are the ones that are the most concerning. Uh, actually, I was most concerned about ACL because it looked like the Perfect mechanism of injury. Of, excuse me, mechanism of injury, where you know fast deceleration, non-contact, foot planted, a lot of force going down into that leg, and sometimes you get lucky enough when you have something like that when the knee buckles into what's called genu knee falling inwards, where you actually can spare the ACL because the muscles around the knee are so strong that it absorbs the force. But the problem is that a lot of times, especially if that hamstring isn't strong enough, that bottom bone, that tibia. Moves forward still too fast, and then all of a sudden that body weight comes down and that femur smashes into the tibia. If you don't get a fracture, which he luckily didn't get, you can get what's called a bone bruise. Now, people are like, oh, bone bruise, right? You know, it's a bruise. Who cares? I get that, you know, once a week and I, like, I'm totally fine. But the problem is that isn't happening in your joint, <laughs> like in, where all of a sudden you have all this blood and all this you know, this stuff that's going on in there. And it is a super painful injury. It's one of those things that's really hard to deal with. Uh, you have this surface along each of those bones called your articular cartilage. They're very, very sensitive. They're important because they allow for lubrication, allow that joint to move smoothly. And if you have any type of derangement of that surface, now all of a sudden you're in trouble. That is a, at minimum, four week injury. Five to six is actually more likely. So that's why, you know, we said this on the earlier show. I'm going to say it right here. Zero percent chance Andy Dalton is playing in week one. Very low chance he shows up again in week two. And, you know, if there's any other questions on this, I always feel free to reach out. But that's really the gist of it.
2: There you go, Bears fans. Get ready for Justin Fields' first start this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. You heard it from Mason First. But let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, which is really learning more about this Browns team. And I want to begin with really your guys' perspective on the status of Baker Mayfield. I know he dislocated his non-throwing shoulder uh, just this past game, was able to come back in. But really, when you look at his first two games, he's playing some super efficient football. He has the highest completion percentage in the NFL, and he also has the second highest yards per attempt. And I know a lot of that is probably due to the fact that you guys can run the ball better than most teams in the NFL right now. But when we're looking at Baker Mayfield, when you guys were looking into this year, has he performed as you expected or better? I'm just curious your thoughts on how he's played so far.
3: He's balling out. I can say I can go first probably. He's balling out. Despite losing against the Chiefs last week, uh, up until that, that last interception was arguably maybe the best we've seen him play in a Browns jersey, at least for that you know consistent long of a game. I think even the second half of this week after he got hurt or we had injury scare, excuse me, and he came back in, that half might have been even better than what he did against Kansas City. So a lot of people get lost in the noise about Baker Mayfield, you know, the contract, the commercials, the stuff in college, all this, but they don't want to look at on the field and see that he's balling out. So I thought he would take a jump this year. I thought we'd ease into it a little bit more um, but I'm, ha- I'm happy he's off to a good start. Yeah, it looks like
0: I think a lot of people will get lost on. I think he's at a one to two uh, touchdown pass interception ratio. And it's like, yeah, he has thrown two picks. They were both kind of not to make total be a total homer making excuses in Kansas City. He got hit when he was trying to throw it out of bounds, which that was a good play by whoever hit him, whatever. Um, And last week, his rookie receiver kind of quit on the route a little bit. But his completion percentage off of 500-whatever yards kind of speaks for itself. Uh, But I think they're seeing what's available as far as doing what needs to be done to score. And they do have a hell of a run game. They're not running Kareem or Chubb into the ground. And it just seems like it's a pretty well-balanced offense that he is managing very well like he's doing his job he's not trying to it doesn't seem like he's trying to force it any one direction and i correct me if i'm wrong kevin i think they've they scored in the red zone every time they've been in the red zone there, there may have been a field goal here and there but they're doing a good job of taking care of the football uh for the most part and i think it just shows signs of a quarterback, if you will, where he's seeing what opportunities are available and he's executing on them, whether it's handing it off or hitting whoever's open.
2: Mason, I want to go over to you. Do you have any questions for Kevin O'Reilly in the offense that you wanted to start things off with?
1: Yeah, I mean, the one of the biggest things, and we talked about this on your guys' show, is that backfield, I mean, look at the Browns' backfield. You have know, that two-headed monster, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Chubb is fifth in the NFL with 178 rushing yards, averaging 6.8 yards per carry, which is the most of any running back with at least 20 carries a season. Hunt has also done pretty darn well for him. Uh, the Browns have the third most productive rushing attack this season. Like, what do you make of this group? with such a threat against the Bears. Like, what do you expect them to do against that front?
3: Well, saying it's a threat against the Bears, I feel like the Bears are the first – defense the first big time defense we're going to see this season not no disrespect against the Texans or the chiefs but the bears are the bears for a reason they're known for that defense kareem and hunt excuse me chubb and hunt uh are just so much fun to watch i mean i'm just going to keep it as simple and high level as possible we can talk into the yards per carry and how no one on god's green earth can tackle chubb in the open field but they're just fun to watch. Chubb is going to find a way to get through and run. Hunt is going to sometimes jump 20 feet in the air, which scares the heck out of all of us. Um, But it's the best backfield we've had in my life, and I don't really see us uh, ever having a better backfield than we have right now ever again, so we're going to enjoy it while we can.
0: I think a big part of that, the success of the backfield, really, really, really comes down to, the guys that are winning it in the trenches for him. That offensive line is dominant. Um, they, Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they are stars. Felton, we're hoping, is also a star. He looked great um, this past Sunday, but it, it really comes down to paving the lanes for him, and our offensive line has been doing a fantastic job of it. Um, I don't know if that's going to because they're going against quote-unquote inferior D-lines or, or what have you. But I think it's a game on both sides of the ball. You could say this for any NFL game. It's going to be one in the trenches. And uh, hopefully, for our perspective, the, the Browns front is going to be able to keep paving the lanes.
2: I'm glad he said that. So my original co-host on this podcast, Brandon, uh, used to always say his catchphrase, you know, games were won and lost in the trenches. Like if we were making t-shirts at the time that he was here uh, a little bit more, we probably would have thrown that on a t-shirt. So you saying that, you know, perk me up just to kind of pay homage uh, to, you know, one of the guys that kind of helped start this podcast. But. You know, we talked about Baker-Rainfield. I'm sorry that maybe we're doing a little teeter-tottering here, but what are your thoughts on your passing game heading into this week without a Jarvis Landry, uh, unknowing if Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be coming back? Because I feel like if he's not able to come back, you're kind of missing out because this Bears secondary, uh, outside of our starting corner, Jalen Johnson, could be exposed right now. Uh, so I feel like, you know, your tight ends have been involved pretty heavily. I know your running backs as well in the passing game, but how do you feel about your wide receiver depth right now heading into this week three matchup?
0: I've always been kind of in the camp that (laughs) no disrespect to any wide receiver that may be answering, listening to the, either of our shows, but I do think it is the most overrated position from like a, a depth perceptive perception, excuse me. And as long as he is throwing to whoever's open, he's not trying to force a 25 yarder, you know, to Odell, if he's in, which granted Odell hasn't been in this year as long as he is making the right throws that keep a drive alive, keep it going, and they just pick at the weaknesses. So it's going to be on him to see what the availability is and execute on it. I think he is a gamer. He's smart. Um, and losing, losing Jarvis, obviously nobody wants to lose Jarvis Landry. Obviously Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the best athletes alive, but you're going to see him passing to his tight ends regularly, consistently, and hopefully he has the trust in these younger wide receivers that need to step up. But if they're not there, even if they are there, they are going to focus on the run until they have, until they're forced not to. Is my thought.
3: Wide receiver is my favorite position outside of quarterback. <laughs> I know this is where re- this is why me and Raleigh just have different opinions. I think this is why our podcast works. Um, we are thin at wide receiver right now. I will say, uh, I don't know if people don't want to believe it till they see it on Sunday. Odell's playing on Sunday against the Bears. Um, it was kind of leaked out at a press conference. He put a video on YouTube uh, yesterday or this morning. Uh, Odell's back, and according to people that are reporting back in Cleveland, uh, Cleveland.com is week three has kind of always been the plan this whole time. So. Yeah, it's no secret, but we're thin there. You know, Jarvis is Baker's biggest security blanket outside Hollywood um, for the last several years. Um, between Schwartzy giving up on a route uh, last week to Peoples-Jones, who was an absolute and is a star in the making. Let's just knock out wood here real quick. Uh, his fumble on Sunday, he didn't target those two guys. Uh, you know, one's a rookie, Schwartz a rookie, DPJ's a second year he didn't target those guys again after those mistakes. So obviously there needs to be a, a strong week of practice for him to get that trust back in his, his, young receivers. Um, but as Raleigh said, our tight ends, our three tight ends right now, are I believe our top, all of them are in the top 10 for most categories across the board right now. Um, you know, you look at Sunday, you know, Harrison, Bryant, our second year guy was four for four Hoopers five for five, you know, Najoku, if he needs to go up and get one, he's going to Gronk it and go up and get the ball. Um, so what I'm getting at here is while we're thinner receiver, for the first time in our life, thank God, we have a whole other mess of options on offense, from our tight ends to that two-headed monster behind Baker in the backfield.
1: So Raleigh had mentioned, I think, someone who might be my favorite Browns player, Demetric Felton. I've had my eye on him since draft season. I'm a big fantasy guy. I was pretty high on him and wanted the Bears to actually take a chance on him, especially with Tariq Cohen going down. You know, I just saw him as this – do-it-all kind of guy, great in open space. He had 86 yards and four touches, one of which was that amazing screen pass where he was just slamming the O button with that spin move and made three defenders just look stupid. You know, I see him as an X-factor in this game, especially because the Bears slot corner is a huge issue. Uh, How do you feel about the Browns' version of, you know, the human joystick?
0: I I think he's going to be taking up roles where you'd see Landry traditionally fill like you'll see these, uh, what do you call those? Uh, receiver handoffs, like end around type things, even though they're not an end, whatever the hell those plays are called. I think you're going to see him rotating in and out uh, just to I don't know, keep the defense honest. But he showed he has the ability to be a playmaker. And I, I don't see them not letting him or testing the waters with him against the Bears come Sunday. I think he's going Demetri- to be on the field. How they use him, it, nobody really knows because we haven't really seen him play. Except for like it was a it was almost a fluke play that screen pass. Like they were like, yeah, let's pick up a couple yards here. Oh, make it make it a highlight, reel, I guess. <laughs> you know?
3: Dimitri Felsen was drafted to be a arm Swiss Army knife. He spent a lot of time in the wide receiver room. Spent a lot of time in the running backs room. The, the point of him being out there is to confuse a hell out of defenses, right? He only played three or four snaps on Sunday, but every one of them, maybe except one, was effective. So when he's out there, Stefanski has a very specific role and idea in mind for him, and so far it's been paying off. Um, again, the point is he gets out there, and the defenses, when they're trying to figure out coverage, look at him and don't know if he's going to be running, catching, whatever. So he is a lot of fun to watch, and yeah, you know I don't, rookie veteran that was a grown man's run on Sunday and I was pretty speechless I knew he was good I knew they expected big things out of him but that spin move and all that it was pretty fun so I'm excited to see what else he does this season
2: so, guys, I'm curious your thoughts on that offensive line after two weeks. I see Baker only being pressured on about 22% of all the dropbacks. I think that's the third lowest mark in the entire league, which looks really good on paper. Um, but I'm just curious your uh, standpoint by watching those games Is the offensive line is as advertised, and is there a potential weak spot that the Bears can look to kind of pinpoint and target this week?
3: So, so far, the offensive line has been at the top of the NFL. And that's one of the things that this team prides itself on. The identity of them taking the last couple of years is a tough physical football team. And the reason our run game is so good, yeah, we have two freaks back there, but we also have some of the best O-linemen in the league, and they pride themselves on pancaking and pulverizing D-linemen and anyone else. You can see there's a, a great video I love to post every five minutes if I could of Wyatt Teller putting Honey Badger into another realm last year. These guys just hit hard, and like you just said, they very rarely leave Baker um, off by himself there. That being said, uh, weakness right now would be Jed. Uh, Jed Wills, uh, starting left tackle. Uh, he went out in the Kansas City game. Uh, he came in and played his, or his butt off on Sunday, but he kind of stiffened up a little bit, and they pulled him out of halftime, and our guy Blake came in, who's Blake Hans is a phenomenal backup. Uh, we have good depth there, but yeah, if there is a weakness on this line, because it is an absolute mega fortress, it's going to be the left tackle right now.
2: Mega fortress. I, yeah. I, I like Start, that terminology. To
0: jinx us into submission. Kevin numbers. Don't lie. Uh, question for you guys. Do you, do they rotate Mac on both sides of the ball?
2: For, uh, not as not of that often be, so they used to more previous to Robert Quinn's uh, arrival here in Chicago because Robert Quinn primarily will line up on that left side of the offensive line so playing up as that right outside linebacker but they used to kind of move him over when we had Leonard Floyd here a bit more but he's kind of been a little bit more locked on that going and facing off against that right tackle Mac has
0: I, I got to imagine that most offensive defensive coordinators know more than we do about what to do um but we have jack conklin playing right tackle he was second team all pro last year my thought would be just if the left tackle is our weakest side of the ball i I don't know how you're not throwing khalil Mack over there every time unless there's something i'm blatantly missing that would be my thought would be go after that the side that's struggling most
2: It's just too much money that they're paying Robert Quinn that they don't want to eat just yet. And so they're kind of stuck with it because Quinn's, I'll say, a one trick pony, Uh, maybe a little rough. He had a really good game last week. But the fact that he can't play on both sides of the line of scrimmage is a little limiting, uh, to say the least. Mason, do you have any other questions for uh, Kevin O'Reilly on this Browns offense before we kind of switch our focus over on that defense?
1: I know you guys mentioned uh, the tight ends, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. I'm curious on Harrison Bryant. I feel like he's a guy that has a lot of potential, and I keep thinking he's going to break out, and then he just doesn't. What's going on with him?
3: He This year, is confidence is through the roof. Uh, I mean, like, I, like on Sunday, he was four for four. He is off to a hot start. His We kind of see him as that long-term option. Right. I mean, we got we joke in a contract year. Um, You know, Hooper's getting paid with 10, 12 million a year. Harrison Bryant, I think it's going to be here for the long haul. And we're excited to see what he can keep doing.
0: I I feel like tight ends are unless you're like Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey or whoever. They're kind of the uh, the the role play receivers, so to speak. Like you don't see too many guys get that reception and then break out for an additional 30 yards after the catch. I think we have three tight ends that will do what tight ends are supposed to. You know, get that 10 yard reception. But I don't think any of them, maybe outside of Najoku, have really shown the ability to turn a 10 yard completion into a 30 yard, 40 yard breakaway. I mean, they've had some bigger plays here and there um unless i'm completely off on this kevin feel free to correct me i just feel like they do a good job of getting open but it's kind of a a role play reception it's not like that travis kelsey x factor so to speak but when you have three of them that are doing their jobs and they're blocking well you know great set of depth but not the Watch out for this guy to blow the game wide open, guys. If that makes sense, and I think that's fair to say. Kevin, just say yes or no if what I said is accurate, because I'm talking out of my app. But
2: good save. <laughs> so uh,
3: I, I love I love our tight end room. I don't know. That's all I have to say on that. <laughs>
2: So real quickly, too, so you talked about the tight ends and their pass catching ability. They've been pretty big, though, in helping guys pave the way for those runs, too, right? They seem like really willing blockers, and they get really engaged in kind of that asset of their game, which may be, you know, an underrated element because everyone's looking at, you know, the fact that they're all in the top, like, six of your targets and your catches right now. But they're all super helpful and willing to help run block, which I'm sure you guys really appreciate.
3: Njoku sure. is someone I would not want to be going up against. I don't care if he is a tight end or whatever. He really picked up that role um, a lot of last year and the end of this year as well. Uh, he is – and Hooper too. Uh, Brian's – they're all very good um, at just that. They're complimenting that run game and that O-line. They're, they're taking that on. And they take it very seriously, and they've been crushing it. Outside
0: slipping. of the nope. tight end – oh, go ahead. Sorry. Nope. You're sorry. Good. Outside of the – the tight ends of doing their job of being blocking tight ends i think that's been a big part of the receiving core as well like these guys take pride in throwing blocks which i can't say if there's guys like people's jones he may not get all of the receptions that you would hope for in a game but every time he is away from the ball they are putting their time in on blocking downfield like it's hats off to the coaching staff for getting him to buy on that.
2: Absolutely, that's super helpful and that's an element of the game that can help spring some of those 10-15 yard plays to Bigger, you know, huge explosive plays that really kind of shift the entire momentum of any single game. So thank you for pointing that out. I want to switch our attention now to your defense, and I'll just start with a general question about what's your assessment of Joe Wood's defense after two weeks? Uh, very difficult opponent week one uh, versus the Chiefs, but I think you guys struggled against the Texans more than you anticipated. Just my hunch. Uh, but I know it's early, but what's your take on that defensive play so far?
3: So after I think- the Texans game, after the Texas game, Miles Garrett came out his press conference and said, just, just owned it. He was like, we thought they were gonna pass a heck of a lot more and they put it on the ground. And so they got caught off guard. Um, I will say overall to answer your question, we are two weeks into this offense. We have eight, nine new starters from last year. We have some of the best players in the NFL on this defensive side of the ball. So I'm not, have we played up to what the ceiling is or what we want this defense to be? Absolutely not. You know, we can talk about the pass rush. We can talk about Miles Garrett kind of being invisible uh, a little bit more than he should be. Um, but again, we're two weeks in. I have faith that Joe Woods, you know, give him a few more weeks. If it's week five, six, and we're still having these same conversations about pass rush um, or why there's 10, 15 yards between a receiver making a catch and our nearest defender like it was on Sunday, then we got bigger problems. But right now, way too early. Fortunately um, for now, the offensive side of the ball can mask up some of these mistakes on the, on the defensive side um, against a team like a Houston Texans. Um, some other teams we have coming up. I'm not saying the Bears, um, but yeah, clearly a long way to go. But it's too early to do anything yet.
0: I think uh, the defense played played a stronger game against the Chiefs. Granted, we didn't get the win. It seemed like the the DBs or whoever. They always were there to somewhat contest a ball that was ultimately thrown by Mahomes like for that first half. It seemed like we were scoring with ease. They were still scoring, but they had to work for it harder. And it's like, all right, sooner or later, teams are going to start making mistakes. Uh, they definitely didn't show as much fire uh, against the Houston uh, Texans. And I'm not sure if that was – I don't know if it was a lack of motivation or if there are – like, we're not trying to be alarmist, but we definitely, I would say it's safe to say that the fan base wanted our defense to come out a little bit hotter than they have thus far. But my kind of biggest concern, like Kevin was saying, that we gave up however many yards to uh, the Houston's receiver veteran, whatever his name is, yeah, by Ward Cooks. It's like, well, why don't we make the adjustment at some point? playing a little bit closer to him you know off a scrimmage and that was to me like we're not sports analysts we don't pretend to be but it's like you'd think that would be part of it is making adjustments mid-game um where miles garrett said we thought they were gonna throw the ball a lot more it's like well when they're not how long does it take you to make an adjustment like you gotta be you gotta make mid-game adjustments and it's uh kind of a letdown that You know, we're hoping that Clowney and Garrett would have set the sack record by now. Obviously, that hasn't happened, but it's okay. (laughs) The season's
3: still young, but the defense... It's very concerning when you're that close against Terat Taylor.
2: Yeah. I more than get that. I mean, right now, I actually want to talk about that lack of pass rush. One sack last week, two the week prior, and I, I know you guys in Cleveland are really excited about the potential of the pass rush with the Miles Garrett alongside a Clowney. I know you thought the sacks would be coming in bunches. The pressures are probably a little bit more consistent that you're seeing now. So... What are your thoughts on the pass rush so far and also your ability or lack thereof to maybe limit some of these mobile quarterbacks like Justin Fields uh, this week? Uh, I know Patrick Mahomes was able to be bottled up okay. Tyra Taylor had that one run before he ended up leaving the game. So you've had some experience against mobile quarterbacks. So just curious on you're taking that as well.
3: Pass rush has been, I don't know. I, we, <laughs> we've been talking about it on all the blogs. I cleave a radio all week. People have been asking that question. Let me back up real quick. First of all, one of the the problems in Cleveland is people thought we were going to come in and be the 85 Bears defense. Shout out all you Bears fans. You like that? They thought we were (laughs) going to come in because we got all these new additions, all these shiny new toys and be the best defense ever this year. Uh, Not saying we can't get there at some point. Let's just keep that real. Uh, We're hopeful in Cleveland. All right. Understand that. But we're not there yet. We got a long ways to go. Pass rush. I don't really know what the dealio is there. You're right. When we signed Jadavian Clowney, and it still is the case, you can't double triple team both those guys. So it's going to free up one of the other ones to be a lot more free and roam around. But with regards to mobile quarterbacks like a Justin Fields, we drafted guys like Greg Newsome, shout out Chicago Northwestern. We drafted guys like Owusu-Koromoa to be those guys, those spies that can kind of play everywhere. We signed John Johnson the third. You know, Grant Delpit are finally our safety that's back. These those are the kind of athletes and guys and freaks that can spy on uh, Justin Fields um or, or guys like that the mobile quarterbacks
0: we haven't seen yet um something i regularly say is not all interceptions are created equally like sometimes there's a blatant error by whoever's throwing the ball like he makes a throw not under duress it was a dumb throw to attempt uh sometimes the db or the safety makes a incredible play on it which that was the one interception we had last week malcolm smith balled out grabbed that ball that was not the worst thrown ball but we haven't seen any type of turnover caused by duress of the quarterback and the pressure on from the d-line and we're just a little bit frustrated that we haven't seen it yet but we're not you know calling for woods's head yet does that make sense
2: so, we talked about it in the top of the show. Mason made the claim that there's a 0% chance that we're going to see Andy Dalton. And I, I trust Mason, so I believe him. So, we're looking at a Justin Fields first career start. How do you feel differently approaching this game with Justin Fields at quarterback rather than an Andy Dalton? And who would you rather see under center for Chicago?
3: Andy Dalton. I, all those years ago, <laughs> playing him on the Bengals, he's a one trick pony. We know what he can do. Granted, he. Has beat the Browns a bazillion times on the yeah, Bengals. He years. smoked us. Yeah, like let, let's keep that a buck. We know we know where we come from. We we are not on our podcast. We try to keep everyone's expectations normal. We understand the history of our franchise. Um, speaking of the history of the franchise, uh, so yeah, I'd rather go against Foles of, or Dalton, of course. I keep saying Foles. Sorry. Shout out to the chat over here. I see they're already talking about Foles. Which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> my our history before the baker era before 2018 and last year started um we've we've lost so many games to rookie quarterbacks carson wentz i, I knew right away i was like he's gonna win, get his first win against us and of course he did um that's just the most recent example so uh it, from ptsd am i am i worried about going against fields of course um but at the same time i am not horrified of justin fields i'm horrified of your defense more yeah,
0: I I would prefer to go against Dalton. Um, reason being, I, I think that a veteran is going to make less mistakes. Uh, Fields could play a hell of a game, but I, I think you're more likely to see rookie mistakes uh, from him, which hopefully if whoever we're playing, they force some errors. Uh, I feel like Dalton has experience with he has a lot of experience with beating the Browns and I would prefer to go against him personally granted I had no idea he was going through this much injury until uh, we spoke to Mason I don't know if the uh, Browns front office is aware of that so we need to tell them to listen to this podcast and adjust their game plan accordingly Uh, but yeah we haven't really the mobile quarterbacks have had more success against us so I'm going back and forth here I don't know. The defense is, a, the Browns defense specifically is a, is what it's going to come down to, I, I think. And who they're going to capitalize or not capitalize against, uh, we're going to see on
3: Sunday. Here, Here's one thing. I, I've never been able to say this once in my life and do not take this personally. This is not anything against the Bears. I'm just saying, again, for the first time in my life, I believe more in Stefanski's play calling than Matt Nagy's play calling for both these respective quarterbacks. So that's where my confidence comes from a little more than. And granted, so people that listen here, we're, Ohio State's my my, my football team. I'm a huge Justin Fields fan, it's going to suck playing against him, um, but at the same time, I just have trust in, in what's the fans going to put together on the offensive side and, you know, give our defense one more week of practice and start putting these pieces together and we'll see what happens. But um, I, it's going to be a hell of a game. This is, this is going to be an unbelievable game.
1: Hmm. Yeah, Kevin. I think there's a lot of people in the chat that would agree with you that there it takes to fancy's play calling over Nagy. So I don't think you're alone on that one. Uh, you also <laughs> brought up earlier uh, two guy people I'm really interested in: Greg Newsom and Grant Delpit, right? So Greg Newsom looks like he had a couple rough plays last last week against the Texans, and you know is he someone the Bears may be able to take advantage of this week? And Grant Delpit made his NFL debut, right? It tore his Achilles, which. It was heartbreaking in training camp. I mean, you don't even get to play with the new toy you just got. And then, so how did he look? And then what can we expect from those two?
0: I thought Newsom, he, he, I think the one, unless there was another play that he got completely torched on, uh, he had a pass interference call on him. It's like, well, that happens in the NFL. But he adjusted from it, and there was another deep ball thrown his way that he did a really good job of contesting. I think he is exactly where the Browns should hope he'd be at currently, um, where fans, coaches alike, they can't complain about where he's at. He is a solid cornerback. Obviously, he has to keep being a solid quarterback, uh, excuse me, cornerback, but he's been fine. And, you know, pass interferences, they do happen. It wasn't the most absurd. Idiot play, so to speak, for lack of a more professional term, but I have confidence in him manning his post. But as far as Del Pitt goes, he had a magnificent sack where he just kind of snuck in there like a ninja. Uh, Coverage-wise, he's not the only guy that's been struggling with coverage. Uh, he hasn't. I don't know if he got torched on any one play, but our secondary has had a lot of question marks. Those aren't D line, but. I don't have any real issues or uh, big question marks with the rookies that have been out there in the secondary.
3: Greg Newsome was drafted in the first round on Northwestern and he's been living up to that very well so far. i extremely excited about him, a lot of raw talent. He's going to do a lot of rookie mistakes, of course, but you look at the first game against the Chiefs, um, only targeted a handful of times, Maybe, maybe, maybe four times. I think someone got one catch on him for four yards. Last week against Houston, they didn't target him that side of the field really much at all either. Um, for uh, granted, I, I get we're two weeks in, all right, but they didn't target him a lot in college. They haven't targeted him a lot yet this year. I thought Mahomes was going to go straight at him the entire game, week one, but he didn't. So, I would just just luck, probably whatever it is. But maybe they're watching college tape or what they've seen so far. But so far, he's living up to the hype. As far as Grant Elba to LSU, we again drafted him to be one of those spies that can play all over the backfield he's fast he came out of nowhere uh with that sack right around the edge on sunday his first nfl game after being out for the year with the achilles and just smoked i know davis mills am i right with houston Texans third string quarterback that was playing so very excited uh he played a lot more stats we thought he would it's going to be a lot of fun to keep watching those guys play
2: All right, so we've talked about, you know, pretty in-depth on your offense and defense. Is there anything else we should know about this team? Uh, Any phase uh, is up on the table right now for you, but just curious, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet uh, that you want to make sure Bears fans know about the Browns heading into this matchup?
0: Uh, We never make it easy on ourselves. We have not Same.
2: (laughs) It's going to be an ugly game.
0: (laughs) So we have like a five-year streak of, well, not a total five-year streak, but there's like maybe one game a year that they win with ease. So I don't care what the score is going into the third quarter. It's literally never over until it's over. Um, But our defense is still trying to figure itself out. The offense has had two great showings. This will be a big test going into that Bears defense, but it's gonna come down to who doesn't turn over the ball, I think. And hopefully we can cause the occasional interception this upcoming game but the browns defense is it's they got to start showing up hopefully this is the week for us but who knows we also have no idea what we're talking about so
3: i think overall i'm excited for for both to, to see both teams this game it's two very pivotable pivotable wow i can't even speak what is it what, what night is it tuesday night Pivotal pivotal seasons, pivotal games, right? This is the first time you guys have seen Justin Fields. What's going to happen? Is he going to come out and light it up and and torch this defense that's not fully put together yet? We'll see. Um, As I said, I think he's going to be the first ever opposing quarterback to get somewhat of a bit of a a cheer when he comes out for the first time. It's kind of our saying goodbye and good luck. You know, thanks for everything. Um, Yeah, turnovers have been killing us a a couple different times so far this year. But, you know, overall, Browns are a brand new team and franchise. Um, you guys are officially entering the Justin Fields era. It is, according to Mason, you heard it here first on Sunday. So a lot of fun storylines going into this, and I couldn't be more excited for this game. This was really the game. I was. Kansas City is a whole other story. Houston was, I, I, this is the one I've been really excited for to get this season kicked off.
2: Right on. I love it. So I just have a two-part question to kind of kick – uh, to wrap things up here, not kick things off. We don't want to start at the top yet again, uh, but to kind of end the show. uh First part, and this will be for both of you. Uh, have fun with it. I'm sure you will. Why will the Browns win?
3: You want to go first? Um
0: Oh yeah. By the way, I don't think we mentioned it. Me and Kevin actually both live in Chicago. We don't
3: oh yeah. Shout out the chat room we live so in Chicago.
0: Yeah. Sh- shout out Lincoln park slash old town. Um, Shout out the Field House, which is the greatest Browns backers bar known to man. Uh, why will the Browns win? Because the defense figured something out and were able to prevent the Bears from scoring
3: more points than the Browns' offense could score. There you
2: go. <laughs> why
3: the Browns are going to win? Why the Browns are going to win this game? Uh, we're getting Odell Beckham back, which means you guys are going to have to put two guys on him when he's out there. He's going to be on a, a pitch count, but that's still 20, 30 plays that he's got to be a, he's a problem out there. Uh, why we will win is because our run game really can't be stopped. Um, ooh, Kevin, don't. Ooh, I don't like that. Why we're going to win. I'm not, I, 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 he said, how could you lose if it's the run game gets stopped? But why we'd win. That well, was the next part.
2: <laughs> I have a two parter here. <laughs> don't worry. Don't get out of yourself. Okay. So run game can't be stopped. Bears have the fifth best run defense right now in the league. That's why I'm very excited about this matchup. Mason, I think you said yeah. it on their show, right? The strength versus strength, the battle or the clash of the Titans. That's what makes me excited. So Kevin, you may have tipped your hand already just a little bit, but what will it take for the bears to win and for the Browns to lose?
3: Our defense, not, not being together yet. Uh, again, I know we keep sounding like broken records here, but with nine new starters, um, you know we're finally able to get the scheme that Joe Woods wanted with the three safeties out there. Um, we got some people hurt. We got some linebackers out. Um, you know, cornerback. Our depth is always a, a question there, but the defense is just still too new together. They're not fully up to where they're going to be in hopefully a few weeks. So this is that—that's the the glaring uh, weakness right now of why the Bears would beat us is that defense.
0: Yeah, it's. I think the. If the Bears' offensive line can establish the run game and then obviously open up the pass game, man, I'm so. I keep going back and forth. It's either going to be an absolute shootout or a low scoring game. And I think it's going to be won or lost. This is so cliche, but in the trenches.
3: Can can you guys not? Can you guys please? And we use this uh, on our podcast. Can you please not? Shout out to you whoever else is in charge. This year. don't let Justin Fields get couched or burrowed. Give him a little more protection up there, please. I'm going to be rooting for him when I'm when I'm out playing him. I don't want him to get out, you know, just crushed behind that O line. That's my only request. To the choir, man. My only request.
0: Yeah, my thought would be protect him as long as you can. Like invest in the future. Which I mean, if you got to play him, you got to play him. But Bears fans and Browns fans aren't they never go easy on their quarterbacks, like regardless of circumstance, like there's still so many Baker haters and it's like, what does the guy got to do? And if you take a kid that goes from an Ohio state caliber school to where your teammates are always significantly better than your opponents, it's like, yeah, sweet. That's not how it works in the NFL. So I hope that the bears can, regardless of Sunday's outcome can just not let them get, Tim Couch or potentially Joe Burrow. Okay, Again, I think he's
2: built different, so I do believe we're in a good spot. You know, regardless of how this path may kind of unfold for us here, uh, but guys, thanks for hopping on, Kevin Riley of the Dogs of War podcast. Is that a Pink Floyd reference? By the way, I forgot to ask earlier.
3: that's yeah, a Mad Max uh
2: okay.
0: Road Warrior reference.
3: I'm um, gonna I'm gonna go hang out in this chat room because these comments are absolutely hilarious. Right, I want can I, you see these? I want to see crazy right. I'm I've been laughing this entire that's why I've been laughing on this because I keep reading these comments and it's hilarious Are they ripping on us? Well, and we did, on. kind of <laughs> Nice, but, I can't but they're, the they're, chats, but, but they're the same but they're they're perfect jokes Are we allowed to read these comments or you guys don't do that?
2: No, you can if you have any that you want to shout out here real Yeah, quick. no, my favorite
3: the, the, even Browns fans want to leave Cleveland. That was hilarious um, That was good. There was also one uh, Kevin's a super homer. He thinks they're great everywhere no, not that. I just, you, when you're beat up as much as I've been in my 33 years, you just talk yourself into everything being better than there really is. But my favorite one is I want Matt Nagy to get Freddy Kitchen. <laughs> oh, right that's, the best.
1: that's rough.
2: <laughs> All right, so to kind of close off this show, uh, do you want to let our listeners know where they can follow you guys along this game week if they want to kind of keep up uh, everything that you're doing heading into this game?
3: Yeah, if you guys want to hear our interview of Mason and Will that we just did before this, uh, Dogs of War, D-A-W-G-S, Dogs of War podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you Android cult listen to your podcast, it's, it's out there.
2: Well, right on. Thanks again, guys, for hopping onto the show. Really appreciate the time, and that's going to do it, Bears fans, for this episode of the Chicago Audible. Uh, Make sure to like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you haven't yet, rate and review our show over on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you help us when we talk to other potential sponsors for our future and reach more Bears fans like us and just like you. So up next will be our weekly game preview. be Nick. Mason and myself will go into the deep dive of everything that you need to know before this kickoff here on week three, Sunday afternoon, Bears-Browns. And I hope you enjoyed this interview with Kevin and Raleigh. But until next time, bear down, Chicago.